McNulty's done incredibly well to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, scores yeah. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They've won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Bobby fans and welcome to the Forecast episode 40. That's right, we've managed to get to 40 episodes, so nice one to everyone who's been involved, much appreciated. And joining me today, first of all, returning guest, Andy Mitchmore. Andy, how are you? Hi mate, nice to be here as always. I'm pretty good, thank you. Are you well? Yeah, yeah, I'm well mate, definitely. Looking forward to the weekend. And joining us as well is an extra special guest. It's a Proudy football manager legend from WeStream. Thank you for having me on. I'm a big Pompey fan, but uh, I, I don't manage them in uh, Football Manager because I, I can't do any better than they do in real life. So, But thank it's you for having me on. It's an impossible task, that's why, mate. You wouldn't get any views. No, no. No. <laughs> no, it's great to have you on the podcast, mate. Cheers for coming on. And yeah, we'll just go over what we're going to do today. So, first of all, we're going to be reviewing the Tranmere game. And then we're going to, you know, take some of your feedback, answer some questions. Um, we're going to touch on the Michael Eisner interview. And then we're going to go into the big match that everyone's looking forward to. That's right. It's the Mackhams, Sunderland away uh, at the Stadium of Light already. Uh, just in case you guys hadn't actually been there recently, you've got the opportunity to pop yourselves back up to the beautiful Sunderland. And then we're also going to touch on Coventry because, um, yeah, we won't record before then. So we'll get to go over that as well. So, lads, a lot to talk about on this episode and did you want to talk about the michael eisner thing before we go into the Tranmere? uh well we can start wherever you want mate to be let's honest do with it. you let's um, do it yeah i so for those of uh, those listeners who haven't haven't uh, seen the interview there was a, about a 30 minute interview i i think it was recorded uh, the day before the Tranmere game so last friday and then aired uh, uh, a couple of days afterwards or a day after the Tranmere game um and I guess it wasn't anything particularly groundbreaking or anything we haven't really heard before, but uh, it was a, a more in-depth chat, I guess, with uh, with Mike Eisner about where he feels the club's going as a whole, um, getting some more specific answers about you know how uh, Pompey can commit to Fratton Park in the long term, because I know some people are worried about the potential move to a new stadium and losing uh, a bit of our identity at Fratton. Um, so yeah, it was good to have a bit of a, a an in depth answer from him on on uh, on topics like that. I don't know what you guys thought of the interview. Probably, did you manage to catch the interview? Uh, I did, uh, and yeah, I, as Andy was saying, it's it's not really anything new that he said. Um, like I think he's pretty much everything he said in the interview. He's pretty much said over the last two years as well. Uh, there were some there were some interesting points I brought up as well. Uh, he brought up as well about. Um, jacket especially because he said um he gave him a new deal after he lost a few games and like part like i'm one of those people that like will back the manager until he leaves the club um but it does 
it did worry me a little bit because it's you know there's been a lot of talk about uh, Kenny's like style of play this year and the last few years actually, and it's like um you know if it doesn't improve or if it doesn't get the results then are they going to go back on that sort of thing where they said they have faith in the manager? Like that's that's the only worry. But pretty much everything like I think. Uh, they did the interview because it seems like a lot of fans, especially this summer, were having a go at them for like not investing in the squads, even though they have done late on. Um, you know, probably not being as transparent as they could be. But yeah, I think um, it was a good interview to listen to. And I think, you know, as I've, I've always backed the owners, uh, I think uh, they're great owners to have. And that, yeah, that's really my opinion on it. No, I think it's good. Andy, you got something to touch on there? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of, well, some of the grief they've received about the, the the work we don't see going on behind the scenes, so bits of bits at Fratton Park. Uh, hopefully, people will be less vocal about that now. We've actually had the first league home game of the season, so I mean the toilets in the the Fratton end, they're not the nicest place in the world, but they absolutely stank of paint. You could tell they've been done up. Yeah, the area around the back of the Fratton end looked like it had had some work done over summer. Obviously, we've got the new roofing, the new lighting. But a, a few of the things he touched on in on the interview that maybe you wouldn't notice on a day-to-day basis, like uh, having better lit exits, fire protection, piping, just all of the, the the things that we know that they did in the background when they first turned up to help Pompey pass that first um, health and safety uh, qualification. That, that um, it was within about a month of them taking over the club. I think that they put they put a whole chunk of money in to help us pass the health and safety regulations. Um, but yeah, just interesting topics he touched on to do with the, the train station as well. So he said before we commit to Fratton that they have to work with the local <laughs> council, etc. So talking about the walk from Fratton station down to the ground and I guess more relevantly the walk back after the game, uh, as it is at the moment and has been for you know an extremely long time. For anyone driving down the road at that time, they're just basically praying not to hit anyone running in the road and i'm one of those people that like, you dodge in between cars to get back to the train after the fire yeah. um so yeah it sounds like one of their long-term plans is to hopefully sort some of all some sort of alternate route back to the the um the station from the ground because at some point someone's going to get hit on that bit of road uh, but yeah things like that that as a fan you potentially week in week out um that it's good to know that they're they're thinking of addressing no, totally. And I think you think we're where we were in the Premier League with a lot worse facilities and a worse setup we've got now with the training grounds and, you know, the money we've put in and, you know, starting from the supporters trust and going up into the Eisners, it just needs to continue that progression forward. But one of the things I thought was quite interesting was he threw a bit of shithousery out there, didn't he? He, he? he sort of got on board a little bit with it. Um, he talked about Sunderland fans at the Checker Trade Trophy final. And how basically they were silent like they're in a church. Um, and then he made another dig about concrete stadiums. And I, I mean, I spoke to a couple of people at Sunderland Football Club and they seem to think that's a direct dig at the Stadium of Light as well. So it's quite you love funny. To see it, don't you? It's quite funny, isn't it? Because I think Michael Eisner is sometimes on Twitter or whatever, slightly got it wrong just through that interpretation of learning how English football culture goes. Yeah, it was a tweet to do with Gareth yeah. Bale, wasn't there? Sort of pride of the South Coast or yeah. something yeah. like that. that. That just wasn't a good life choice no, at all. No, and it's good, it's good intention, <laughs> isn't it? But it's just, it was poor delivery. But I think this time he's really got the shithousery right. Yeah, he's, he's picked mm. his target. He's learned a bit, hasn't he? But yeah, yeah as you say, 
little bit of slagging off of the Sunderland fans. You nice to see. Um, while bigging up the Pompey fans, basically he just knows how to get people on side, doesn't he? You, yeah, you slag off everyone that the Pompey fans aren't keen on, and then uh, chuck in a couple of compliments, and you're there. And then you also you bring down a, a famous movie star everyone likes, and get him to, uh, to <laughs> say how great Portsmouth is, and maybe slag off that lot down the road. And that transitions beautifully into talking about the Tranmere game because it was a bit of a nightmare for me. I mean, it took me six and a half hours to get to the game from Surrey due to the train problems that are down and people might know about the trees on the line at Barnum and all that. But apart from my poor experience missing the 30 minutes of the game, it was an absolutely great day and it was great to see, wasn't it, Proudy? It was. Um, I think, you know, the first home game of the season is is always like key for us uh, to like build some momentum, especially uh, the result the week before as well. Um, I think that was a bit of a shock to the system uh, for a lot of people because I think everyone assumed that we were probably going to win the first two games of the season. So it was uh, it was key that we had to get off to a good start at home. And uh, I think Tranmere didn't really offer as much as I thought they would. I think they had a few spells where they probably could have um, scored, but I felt we were like really comfortable. Um, and obviously it, it took a stunner to actually give us the lead as well from Ben Close, but... I didn't think we were in any danger of really losing the game, in my opinion, at all. No, I think it was I think it was an absolutely all round good performance. And I think credit to Tranmere, they did they did try and play the ball round, didn't they? They didn't just mm. come to us and, and sit back and park the bus as such and be all negative. And I think there's actually worse teams than them in the league. And um, you touched on the Ben Close goal, Andy, since I was running into the stadium when the ball hit the back of the net. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> Can you, absolutely uh, gutting for you that is yeah i know absolute worldie do you know what someone said i sat down at the front and then someone just went you just missed the best goal uh of the season <laughs> <laughs> well where, where i am at the top of the front and then there's a, a lad sits directly in front of me and he brought who i think it was his little brother who uh, was coming to his first ever home game and uh the the lead up to closest goal it, it was a, a corner from i think it was Naylor, just a Everyone's forgotten how good that the, the shot was from Naylor that got uh, put wide by the keeper, I think, that led to the corner that uh, we eventually scored from with a close goal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Naylor had this shot that got palmed behind for the corner. And I leaned down and said to the, the, the kid in front, like, oh, that wouldn't have been bad for your first first ever goal at Fratton Park, would it? And then, yeah, from that resulting corner, it gets an even better one. Um, I think what made it for me, such a good goal is that obviously the keeper's out of position having just made a save. But even with the keeper in position on his line, I mean, I don't see him getting a hand on that or even getting close to it, to be honest. So it's not as if, you know, sort of if the keeper had been in position, it would have been straight at him. It was just a hell of a connection, really. Uh, Yeah, two in a week. So no pressure on him this weekend, but... Yeah, exactly. Mm. Since exactly since when you think about the goal he scored against Birmingham as well, that was that was absolute techers when it because it, it's a good deflection, didn't it? And we've talked mm. about it already, but it's just the technique of being able to strike the ball um, in an unconventional way that Ben Close seems to have absolutely down to a tee. He just looks looks calm under the mm. under a high ball when it's coming down towards him, but he just looks he has his set position and then yeah, just doesn't look flustered and keeps his technique. And that's pretty much what this the goal against Tranmere was. It was all about technique. Um, and I don't have any technique when it comes to volleying high balls, but you, he just looks so composed under it. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. And just just moving on, how do you think the the system worked generally? Because 
I, I looked into it, you know, looked back at it, and it, it turns out we started, even though Pompey said that we started with the four two three one, we actually um, started with the four three three formation, which then later on morphed into a four two three one, giving Andy Cannon a bit more mm. freedom um, to push forward. How do you think the four three three worked, Proudy? Do you think it's something that we should stick with? Um, and do you think it's flexible to change formations during the game, as I'm sure you can do on Football Manager? Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I I think the problem we had last season and it was that I felt like we played the same formation every a week and week out and became too predictable. Uh, I think we only started playing four through three towards the end of last season as well um, when we didn't have a number 10 really. Uh, and obviously Kenny has said that Cannon was going to be his number 10 uh, even from when he signed him in January. So it's... Uh, it's good to see him getting into that sort of role. Um, I think four three three is probably good to start off with because I think if we if we're going to play with a number ten from the off, especially against a team like Tranmere, like I think if you're before the game, you're probably expecting them to defend because they've just come up and they're one of those teams who are probably going to be a bit more. Is it? I think pragmatic is the word. They, they're going to come in to defend first and then try and nick a result in the break. So I think four two three one can probably be a bit clustered in the middle so I think we need to sort of play with three in the middle to try and keep the ball better um, but I, I like the fact that Kenny is trying to be a bit more flexible with his system because as I said like last season you know we suddenly just became this team that just played one system and once the team figures it out we haven't got a plan B and now I think he's got the plan B which is that we now are going to sit back a little bit more keep the ball and then once the pressure starts rising then we start pushing forward more yeah, no, I think it was it was it was really interesting to see. I had to double check yeah. myself and watch the game back to make sure that I wasn't wasn't incorrect. Basically, that we changed formation. And um, Andy, who stood out, stood out for you in the game in particular? Um, an obvious place to start would be uh, Ben Close, uh, but not purely because of of uh, the goal. There were a couple of occasions where he had the ball. You know, Pompey have just come out of defence. Everyone is essentially in position, you know, um, and he'd just spray out 40, 50 yard, just a uh, sort of a cross field pass, sort of a diagonal towards um, towards the, the the players up top. Um, again, yeah, just looked composed when he had the ball, got himself around and then just sprayed some just gorgeous diagonal balls off from time to time. Uh, Cannon, I mean, I, I saw him play a couple of times last year. Obviously, he wasn't fully fit. He looked like a completely different player, to be honest with you. He just got himself about um, com- like permanently hassling Tranmere players when they had the ball. So even when they were trying to keep possession um, in their own half, it was never really that comfortable because uh, he was just hassling and hounding and getting stuck in. The new signings as a whole, I thought, fitted in pretty well. I think having the, the Birmingham game was quite useful because it's in a cup that, if we're being honest, no one is that bothered about. Yeah, but it gave mm. us the opportunity for for the new signings to, you know, play the best part of ninety minutes together. So uh, Burgess and Downing looked solid at the back. They're going to have more difficult days, but they looked like a like, like they've been playing together a lot more than a few weeks. Uh, Harness looks physical. Good Sorry, mate, you go. That's just saying, that's a very good mm. point because you think about you know us thinking about who's won what game and how we're looking going forward, but. Apart from the goal that was conceded against Shrewsbury, which is, I'd say, unstoppable and, and quite random, to be honest. Um, yeah, we haven't actually conceded a goal 
So they've looked really steady at the back. Proudly, do you, do you feel that Downing stepped in and, you know, taken over from where Clark left off? Not saying as a direct replacement in the skill level, but do you think he's filled that hole? Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's a good point you made about the skill. I think we're not going to replace Clark, and I think a lot of Pompey fans can understand that. Um, I think Downing is a, definitely a good signing we've made. And also we've got Raggett on the bench, Sean Raggett on the bench, who I think might start this weekend. I think Kenny said something that he's probably going to be in, uh, or he's going to be earmarked for a start this week. So, um, but I, it'll be interesting to see if if he does play Raggett, who he's going to replace him with. But like talking to Downing, he's a good signing. Like he's, he's got experience at like, a higher level as well. Cause he was, uh, was he Blackburn? Is yeah, it Blackburn right. yeah. yeah, so um, he's got experience at high level, which we'll need. Uh, we do if we're going to be chasing promotion, those are the sort of players we need. Um, but yeah, I think uh, next to Burgess, because I think a lot of talk has been well, uh, not more recently, but I know since we got into League One, Burgess hasn't looked like right at home. But now I think more from probably February, March onwards, he's actually looked more at home in League One. I think he looked a bit out of place, but I think having someone like Downing next to him is definitely. Um, a lot more secure for him, and uh, it's, it's no, it's a good partnership to have at the back. No, I think it's done really well, Andy. I was yes, just sir. think, I just think about yes, sir. <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking about going forward. Marcus Harness, he seems to settle into games a little bit as as time goes on. Is what I've what I've seen. So watching against Crawley, you know, he lost the ball quite a lot for the first ten minutes, and suddenly he got played in. He read the ball very well on a through ball from Tom Naylor. Um, which created a goal for Gareth Evans. Watching him again, I didn't see the first 30 minutes, so I'm just going to throw this question out there. Do you think that Marcus Harner seems to settle more in to the game as the game goes on? Uh, I wouldn't say that that was noticeable in this game, no. Um, he offers, He's obviously going to be very different to watch than from what we're used to with uh, with Jamal Lowe. Um, I think he's he's going to be a bit more of a, a physical player, potentially. He's a He's a sort of a wider unit, I guess is the polite way of putting it. He's obviously in really good shape. He's just a bigger, bigger frame than Jamal though, mm-hmm. seemed to be. So there were games, I think, where if other teams successfully doubled up on Jamal Lowe and then we played up the ball up the ball up to Lowe and he was sort of facing his own goal with two players up against him, it pretty much nullified that threat. Um whereas the vibe I got from from Harness was that because he's a looked slightly more physical. He was a bit more of a threat when we're not on the break. So if he's running at two or three players, there's a chance that he can muscle his way through, even if he can't, you know, skill his way through that group. Um, but no, I wouldn't say he needed that long to, to settle into the game. I thought he was pretty solid from squ- uh, from day one. Good. And that's, yeah, that's had, had a solid, solid game in my opinion. Proud anything to touch on Marcus Harness? Not really. I think... Um... I think my biggest worry with him and uh, hopefully he will address it this year is just uh, because obviously we're so used to Jamal being a goal scoring winger and the harness is a completely different mould because he doesn't, he's not like as clinical. Um, I think last season he only got five goals uh, for Burton. So, and that was actually his best scoring season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see um, if the pressure later on in the season starts becoming more intense, whether he's going to start you know, pulling his weight in terms of goals because he is going to be an attacking, like a winger for us, like attacking wise. Um, so yeah, that that's the only worry I have with him. But I think the first two games he's not been too bad. I think uh, once the season starts getting into September, October, we'll probably start seeing the best of him. 
But then do you think there's going to be that expectation on him that there was on on Lowe? I mean, you'd hope that Marquis is going to be scoring more frequently than someone like Hawkins was last season. And I'm, I'm a fan of Hawkins, but mm. in terms of goals per game, Marquis's record is going to be stronger. Would you not hope that there's going to be less pressure on Harness to, to do the job that Lowe was doing? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, pretty much what you just said, yeah, because we've now got a striker who we're probably going to be expecting to hit 20 this season, hopefully, uh, it would mean that there's less pressure on him, but there's still, there's still obviously going to be games where Marquis isn't going to score or Pittman's not going to score or someone, so you need someone else to start, you know, um, sure. offering like uh, goal scoring opportunities, so I think uh, that, he. I'm not expecting him to score like 15 or like 10 uh, like goals, but at least like you know, seven or eight, because that can make a difference in the season. Absolutely. I, I am expecting him to score 10 goals this season. Um, looking at his stats, and if you people haven't seen it, obviously you've plugged it already, go and read Freddie's article on the Pompey News Now site. But he actually really only played half a season last season. So when you add his goals up from that and you look at his uh, his actual sort of projected scoring, um, in a better team, I think he he's, can quite easily get 10 goals. He's a good finisher. He mm. just doesn't always choose to shoot. So someone like Ronan mm-hmm. Curtis will get in space and he'll always take that option pretty much um, to, to take a shot. Whilst Marcus Harness is a little bit more of a playmaker. So he's got his head up. And if he sees someone else make a move through in a better position, he, he tends to pass as well. So I still think though that he'll get 10 goals if he starts regularly this season. Yeah. Cool. yeah I, I'd agree with that, mate. I think, yeah, the number of times that Pompey fans have seen Jamal Lowe cut in and just take the ball close to goal at a, a ridiculously narrow angle and just absolutely blast it at the goal. Sometimes it will uh, go over the keeper's head and go in. Sometimes it will go in far post. Other times it will come off the keeper and you've got the chance for a, a follow-up. But yeah, I agree that Harness seems more like the type, uh, the type of player who's going to sort of lay the ball back in that position rather than go direct at goal and just take a shot and see what happens. I, yeah, I'd agree with you there. But no, he yeah. looked good. Yeah, and his crossing is far superior from what I've seen so far as well. And the stats also uh, line up to show that as well. So good stuff. Maybe you can set Marcus up for some more finishes as well. Okay, I think we've talked Tranmere to death now. So let's move on. I'm gonna. I'll, we'll go into what people think about the Sunderland game in a minute. So I put the question out there and I said, Pompey failed to beat Sunderland at the Stadium of Light last season, as we all know. Would you be happy with a point? And then I was a bit fishy. I said, will Kenny Jacket go for the win? (laughs) (laughs) So obviously we know in the semi-finals last year, he sat back and it was a defensive display, which was, you know, wasn't the right move, honestly. So I thought I'd put it out. It was all right, but just the the Mm. second leg at home was the the kick in the balls. Well, I think we should have gone for it, Andy, personally, in the the first one. I think we sat back far, far too deep. I thought we're so deep, we couldn't get the ball out. Did you not think 1-0 loss with... I mean, this is a, this is an argument for a different day. I thought a 1-0 loss away, I'd have taken that before kick-off in the playoff. But that's just how poor Sunderland were, not because we took our game to them. I think if we played a better system and actually tried to to grab a, you know, a goal or two, we actually could have come back with a draw or a win in that game. It's just that we sat back. It was so... We started a bit quickly and then it just sunk and it got deeper and deeper mm. and deeper. Mm. And we all know Pompey aren't good when we're defending all in our own half it's, it's it's not great to watch and it's it's not how we play at our best either yeah fair enough i mean yeah i think it was 
to me, it was the second leg that that sounds really stupid. It was the second leg that cost us the tie. But hey, we're getting distracted, mate. Focus on. Focus we always on the are, mate. We always are. Anyway, <laughs> so cool. So basically, I put it out there. As I said, would you be happy with the point? Blah blah blah. Um, so Paul tweeted in, "Cheers, Paul," and said, "I might have to, it might have to be renamed the Stadium of Fight after the recent bad blood between the two clubs." Hugh, I hope it's a great game and that Pompey can win it. So. Paul's expecting an absolute feisty tie. Luke Ellis tweeted in, at this stage of the season, I'll definitely take a point. Uh, ben Ellis replied to say, Sunderland are shite. So good obviously, Very good comment. <laughs> obviously, Ben doesn't agree in that sense. Um, Chris Gerrard uh, tweeted in to say, would I take a draw? No. With so many attacking options and improved squad we have now, I think we can beat anyone in the league if we play for our strengths. We should try and win every game. Lads, do you agree? After you, Proudy, go for it, mate. Um, I don't. I think uh, this stage of the season, uh, I think a draw is a good result. I think if the game was played later on, like December-wise, I would be saying go for the win. But I think there there are a lot of points to be dropped from both teams, and I think if we can get away with a draw now, it's not a bad result. Um, I think well with Sunderland as well. Actually, saying that like they draw a lot of games at um, the Stadium of Light, a one, lot one. of games. The one one games. Yeah, I, yeah. I, every every time I see Sunderland drawing one one, I check their replies, and it's just pretty much everyone, every Sunderland fan replying now oh, the one one full time image. Um, <laughs> so I think yeah, I don't think it's going to be like a, a great game to watch. Uh, in my opinion, I think both teams are going to be quite. Um, cautious. I think that's probably the right term to use. They're going to be quite cautious. I think Jack Ross is quite a cautious manager. He doesn't like to attack, especially with the attacking options he has and the attacking options we have. And Kenny is going to be quite cautious because it's away from home. Um, like in all honesty, I think it will end one, one, uh, I think we'll probably score first and then concede late on. But in my honest opinion, so, so you don't agree then uh, with one of the guys who, who messaged in David Stern and said, no, it's really important. We win this game. Uh, no, I, I just think I, I can understand the argument. Yeah, we have to we, we should try to win every game. I can understand that argument, but I don't think a draw is the end of like the end of like the world if we draw like this stage of the season. It's only three games in. Um, we like a lot of the teams who are at the top of the table already are going to fall off. Like I, I see yeah. like Oxford United are up there already and like Lincoln City and Blackpool. I mean, they're not going to be up there at the end of the season. So, um, you know, we can we can play catch-up, that's fine. I think we're better when we're playing catch-up rather than when we're top of the league, as as proved last season. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I can see that. I, do you know what? I, what I'll do is I'll read these out. I think I agree it's not do or die for sure, and I think we're just at the start of the season, so people need to just calm it a little bit and see how it goes. But at the same time, there's a bit of a rivalry between the two teams at the moment, and people are... I suppose eager is the polite way of putting it for Pompey to win. So Aaron said three points would be fantastic. I feel we can beat them. We've got a stronger team. Uh, Lofa says take a point, but Pompey are much stronger. Where are the horrid Mackins? They're very weak and relying on only two players. And then uh, JM says the Northern draw Kings got a point written all over it. This has uh, Michael says three points time for natural selection to kick in. <laughs> which made me Crucial. chuckle <laughs> <laughs> oh so should we do the I feel like I've done this quite a lot because of the m- amount of times we previewed Sunderland last season but people who haven't listened to the show and for people who don't know anything about Sunderland Football Club will just go through it so obviously Sunderland have um, played two games in the league this season they've drawn two games both of them won one 
They started with a 1-1 draw against Oxford at the start of the season. Apparently, Oxford feel that they should have won the game. Ipswich, again, they went away to Ipswich. Not an easy an easy place to go. But uh, again, a 1-1 draw. They have been pretty awful as far as all the stats go as well. So against Ipswich, Ipswich had a um, expected goals of three. Well, I think Sunderland was something ridiculously low. Where have, I've got it in front of me. 0. 0.5. And if you yeah. look at the chances created, it was like a flat line throughout the game. Ipswich absolutely um, barraged the goal. James Norwood with a 1.6 expected goals ratio. The best player Sunderland had was at a Lyndon Gooch at 0.5. Sunderland have got some serious issues, after, especially after talking to Graham from Roker Report um, last night. He was talking to me about the fact that Jack Ross has gone a bit bananas and he's playing a, a wing-back system, uh, a sort of a 3 Yeah, I heard this, yeah. Game. Yeah, which just sounds absolutely mental. I mean, Oviedo's gone as well, and they don't have any wing-backs or players that are capable of playing wing-backs. So you basically had these two wing-backs who are basically lost in no-man's land. They weren't dropping back into a back five and being extra defensive. They were just sort of waiting forward of the of the back three, and it was just causing so much space and a lack of ability for Sunderland to actually create any sort of um, attacking impetus going the other way. Luckily, they've got a few players who are actually quite clinical, which again is really rescuing them because they could quite easily be zero points at this stage of the season. Um, they bounced back against Aki Stanley in the cup, 3-1 win, and Jack Ross actually scrapped the 3-5-2 formation and went back to a flat back four. So Mark McNulty scoring in that game, um, and you just think maybe they're getting a bit of momentum to playing against us. Although Sunderland fans aren't actually sure whether Ross will go back to the 3-5-2 and that was just purely a cup formation or not. Lads, are we worried about Sunderland? Um, I don't think it's a smart idea to ever write a team off. Um, as you said, the, the first couple of games, they've well, they've not actually been ahead yet in the league. Uh, they've, they've been a goal down and come back in both of their, their games so far. Uh, and Lyndon Gooch is the only player that's scored for them in the league so far. Um, and as you say... I mean, proudly you've just heard there how much Hugh loves his stats in terms of expected goals. Uh, but, I mean, in the Ipswich game, I had a look at the match facts earlier. Ipswich had 18 shots with eight on target and Sunderland had three with one on target. And it sounds like, yeah, as you say, Ipswich should have scored far more than one in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, I mean, if you look at the the Sunderland season last year, they dropped a lot of points against teams you'd expect them to beat, usually during one-all draws. Um, But the reason I don't think this is uh, we should go there all out, try and get three points, is that if we can draw away against these teams like Sunderland and Ipswich and, you know, realistically the teams that are going to be up and about at the end of the season, if we can take a point away from home, hopefully turn them over at Fratton, uh, which isn't a done deal, but you'd fancy us, and if we can just avoid dropping points to, to teams like, you know, Oxford and Coventry, I mean, and, and in, in Coventry's case, you know, they dropped points uh, against Bolton uh, the other day. If we can avoid, make, you know, dropping points in games we're expecting to win, then we're going to be up there. Um, it would be nice to get the three points because, I mean, if, let's say, hypothetically, we take the three points on Saturday, the atmosphere at Fratton on Tuesday night, you know, night games are a good atmosphere anyway, but it's going to be absolutely bouncing if we go into that game on an away win at Sunderland, um, the place is going to be absolutely bouncing. But I, I, 
before the game, I'd, I sounds negative. I'd take a point from that and be fairly content. And then hopefully three against Coventry. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair enough. I don't think anyone's going to be crying if you don't win the game, apart from no, exactly. Well, actually, a few people actually did message in saying it was it'd be devastating if we didn't get the three points. But I think that's just there's a lot of emotion, isn't there, in these games um, against Sunderland? So yeah, okay. I, I was looking at the Sunderland lineup, and we talked about players they've signed this in the in the off season. I quite like George. I like George Dobson. Do you guys a fan of Dobson himself? Twenty-one-year-old midfielder signed from Walsall, captain Walsall, good passer. I have zero information about him, mate. Absolutely zero. I know he started at the weekend for them, but I've not seen him play. Well, I probably have seen him play uh, against Walsall, but no information at all. I'll let you know after Saturday. Okay, proud of. <laughs> I, I know he was very highly rated at Walsall. Um, I don't know if we were actually in for him. I, I saw a few murmurs of people like wanting us to sign him, but it seems like, uh, you know, some Pompey fans see like one player play well for about three games and then suddenly want them to want us to sign him. So um, I, I, same with Andy, really. I think uh, I'll wait until Saturday to see what he's actually like. Um, we'll have to see if he can actually play in the, the sort of the big games, the same quotation marks, the, the bigger games. Because, um, you know, I think being a key player at Warsaw, uh, will be a bit different than being a key player at Sunderland. Like not not to like, you know, talk down on Warsaw, but it's a completely different kettle of fish, really. Hugh, no, was he a, was really. he a direct replacement for George Honeyman? Is that why they brought him in? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. He's he's a he's a passing midfielder essentially. He's a he's a sort of short passing, pass and move, um, assist getting uh, midfielder who gets up and down the pitch. So mm. yeah, he, he's a talented player, but as Proudy touched on. Um, and I've been talking about this. It's the fact that yes, captaining Walsall, and apparently he's he's a great kid. He's you know older than his age. He's got his head screwed on. But it is very different being 21 years old and coming out in front of 30,000 moaning Sunderland fans at the Stadium of Light who are who are booing you of being one all um, and threatening to leave at 70 minutes into the game. So, I mean, Walsall fans. Let's be honest. They're there thick and thin, aren't they? They already support Walsall. Right. Can't get much worse, can it? Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> they already live in the area, you know. They could they could travel, couldn't they, into Birmingham or wherever it's closer to to Walsall. Um, but you know, I don't think Sunderland fans have to stay have so much higher expectations, don't they, than than Walsall fans do. Proudly, um, do you have any followers in Walsall, mate? Uh, yeah, maybe I've got about two. So okay, I, I, that, yeah. uh, not anymore. <laughs> I was going to say like you know they they were great to have three points again every, uh, every year but that's really it for me Walsall you're not going to miss going to Walsall nah I don't think uh, anyone would really would they it's, just, it's the sort of place you go like either through or round it change it? trains isn't it yeah ab- absolute worst you avoid it if possible yeah no I just well, had to google where it is to be honest mate next to Wolverhampton I'm just not saying oh, yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd change in Birmingham to avoid it, wouldn't you, really? I don't know what I wouldn't, because it's a fucking massive station. It's easy to change at Walsall. But <laughs> moving on from train conversations, um, <laughs> obviously we all know about Mark Minolti. So Sunderland have signed him. They think he's class. He's looked good for them so far, apparently. Gets a goal against Accrington Stanley. Are we worried about McNulty, or do we think yeah. that... He can uh, be neutralised by Tom Naylor. No, I think I, he got, I'm worried. You, I think he got the assist against. Um, I think it was Ipswich. He got the assist and set up Lyndon Gooch. So yeah, he's 
he's doing bits up there already by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I'm worried because uh, you know with most ex Pompey players, they always seem to score against us. Owen Doyle. Uh, yeah. Owen Doyle. Yeah, that's uh, that's still ingrained in my head, and I just can't forget that that awful, awful day. That was Never just mind. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, did you, though, did you see that Talbot has retired? Yeah, I know. I know. Oh. That's oh. um, I, I, you know, fair play to him, but he was uh, absolute rubbish that day. I think he was Oldham's best player that day. So. Yeah, my blood pressure's going up. Just remember it. <laughs> I'm getting PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, Owen. On, fuck, on, Owen. fuck Owen Doyle. Anyway, I, yeah. I spoke to him at Wickham, and he told me, you know, he jokes, right? He's like, "Oh, there are you," and I can say, "As I'm half Irish." He literally, okay, <laughs> I'm Irish, mate. I'm Irish. I can call my own accent, and he just goes, "I'm going to score you absolutely loads of goals, mate. Absolutely floods." He said, "I'm going to bang them in for Pompey. I'm going to, you know, score thirty goals." And I was like, all right, nice one. And he said, you can hold me to that. That was it. Rubbish, mate. Absolute oh, rubbish. It just annoys me when play, I mean, he celebrated in front of the Fratton end. And I didn't think that, I mean, I know that generally, and people like him and Smith and didn't necessarily get the full Pompey Fratton love, but there was never any like real bad feeling towards him until he just scored in front of the Fratton end and gave it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessary. There's no need. It wasn't. But anyway, moving on, as you said. So, yeah, McNulty's player to watch. And is there anyone in particular we should be we should be scared about? Because Sunderland fans think McGeady is back to his best. Quote. Uh, no. Like, well, I mean, no. <laughs> that, that's all I'm going to say. I just just <laughs> mark, mark McNulty out of the game and we'll be fine. We'll win. 1-0. Um, I mean, attacking-wise, I think oh, if you look at their... Look at their bench from the weekend. Had what Max Power, Chris Maguire, uh, Chris Maguire, Grant Ledbetter, Will Grigg, all on the bench. That's quite a you know, it's a good bench. They've got some big names, I'd say, but names don't win your football games. But if yeah, if you look at their squad, you have got McNulty, Gooch, McGeady, Power, Maguire, Ledbetter, Grigg, yeah. McLaughlin and Goal is a good keeper. Uh, O'Neill, you've got some pretty decent players in there. Some of them are absolute shit houses and not likable, and you know, yeah. But you've got they're still. Yeah, on their day, any of them can be match winners. I mean, this is it's really similar to the conversation we had before the Checker Trade final, mate, in that they've got the names that can be match winners on the day. And then McGee, I think it was the Checker Trade final, McGeady yeah. scored that free kick. And they're, like, they've got players who are capable of that. But at the moment, you'd say that more often than not, they're not firing. No, you've got to say that. I think I think the thing is, though, let's be honest, Sunderland on paper and us are the two deepest squads in the league. There's no doubt about it. I, I don't think... I think you could argue Peterborough, possibly, but I don't Lost really... <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah. But, but I never rate Peterborough. I think Darren Ferguson's an absolute... Well, I just don't think, rate him at all as a manager. And I, I don't think there's many teams that if Sunderland and Pompey can pull it together, are, are going to really push us that far. Is that fair? Would you say Ipswich? No, like Ipswich might be it might be one. I think like I I was just looking at Ipswich's bench from the weekend, and they had some good players on there, uh, like um, Alan Judge and uh, Hughes. So uh, and Dazelle. So I maybe Ipswich is going to be up there, but yeah, other than that, I can't see. No, I think else. that's a good shout. I think you could definitely put an argument out for Ipswich being up there. You'd hope we're going to be the top three at the end of the. You'd hope mm-hmm. so, but I mean, I during the transfer window, I called Peter Brewer's. Um, dark horses and 
they've lost both their first two games. <laughs> but I mean, so you know, I've just cursed them. I'm happy to do that. It's a marathon, nice not sprint. Yeah, very true. Forty. What is it? Forty. Uh, Forty-four games, games to go. Games, so. But I. I had a chat the other day just on, on Facebook with uh, Max, who uh, leads the Gascast, the Bristol Rovers podcast. Yeah. Um, and they they played uh, Blackpool and lost 2-0, I think. And he was saying that they were genuinely really impressed with how Blackpool played football. It was like quick, attacking, sort of attractive to watch football, but well executed. And he's, his shout for the season is that Blackpool are going to be a surprise and be up and about. I think they've got, definitely got a shout for the playoffs, for sure. I, I'm... They've got their fans back in the ground. The club is absolutely buzzing off that, aren't they? The fans are buzzing. It's like having their football team back. I think that energy is going to help. But they also look, they signed some good players. Um, yeah, I think they could definitely be up, up there and abouts as well. And if Coventry can get over playing at the stadium, well, in Birmingham, basically. Well, I was going to say the stadium of light then. I've got it in my brain. Um, yeah, they could also be a decent team. So let's go into Coventry. Coventry on Tuesday after we beat Sunderland. Huh. Oh, wait a sec. I should give my score prediction for that. Proudy, have you given yours already, mate? Uh, I haven't. Um, Go oh, for wait, it. Which, sorry, which game? Sunderland or Coventry? Sunderland first. Sunderland first. Oh, the Sunderland one. Uh, uh, I, I said 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Goal scorer? No, I said 1-1. One, one. Uh, uh, I'll go Curtis. I think Curtis is going to score and then shush the Sunderland fans and I'm going to love to see it. That would be so funny. I'm well up for that. Andy? Well, uh, what Curtis to score 89th minute, shush the Sunderland fan, Sunderland score 93rd minute equaliser. Oh, brilliant. Um, no, I, I think I, I'd go with the draw. I'd be happy with the point, and I think that's the most likely result. I'd go one all, um, potentially Harrison to to, um, to score for Pompey. Cool. I like that. I'm, I'm uh, going 2 1 Pompey. I think it's going to be a 2 1 win. Um, ben Close again to carry on the magic. From outside the area, three in. Three games? Yeah, yeah. And um, I reckon it's going to be John Marquis uh, again, or throwing it out there, Lee Brown. Oh. Uh-huh. Basically, um, Proudy, we just, we believe that Lee Brown is going to score. It's, it's, we bet on it in, uh, which game was it, Hugh, where he hit the bar and we Sunderland. scored the rebound? Was it Sunderland? It's always yeah. Sunderland. Mm. Um, we, have a, we had a bet on him and Nathan Thompson to score in the Checker trade final. And then Thompson did, and we won a, won a little bit of dollar. And then, yeah, had Lee Brown to score in the the other side of the match and he hit the bar from about what, five yards out or something. Yeah, um, But he's getting closer, well. mate. He's he getting closer. He did, actually, he did actually score at the weekend, technically. I had a pound on him, mate. Oh, it, got, it, got, it got taken away. Which is, His which face is, was heartbroken. It was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I nearly had I nearly had the worst slash best day because obviously, wait a sec, gambling's not advice for any children, etc. But if you... um. I had two pounds, literally. I'm pretty broke. And I put a pound on Lee Brown to score anytime Pompey to win. And I put another pound, right, yeah, on Ben Close to score, Pompey to win 2-0, right? So I won 40 quid with my one pound. Hey. And basically, then, if any listeners have got two pounds left in the world, they should be gambling, <laughs> is what you're saying there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's Excellent. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Gamble responsibly. Sweet. Gamble responsibly, people like me. <laughs> with all your money. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, you know, I might have had a few more pounds in the bank account than that, mate. But <laughs> effectively, I had two pounds like, with me. Um, and I put another one on Lee Brown to score. His face, mate. <laughs> Bless Lee Brown. I, I, I think it's coming, though, isn't it? Because he mm. missed that a little bit of a sitter in the game before. Yeah, as well. he did, yeah. He had a couple of chances to score against... Well, yeah, he had two chances against Tranmere. One of them he put wide and one of them was uh, offside, yeah. Gonna, he's getting closer, mate. We're going to ask him because he's coming on the podcast, so... 
when we get when we get the date sorted out again, we just reschedule it. So we're going to ask him on the podcast, and hopefully, I reckon he's just waiting out now because he wants to score before coming on the podcast. Well, I think he's going to ask us which game we want to bet on him scoring in, and then he'll just actually that's that's probably gambling laws. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I was going <laughs> to say you just start seeing him shoot for thirty-five yards every time instead of crossing the ball. So he's got an absolute bullet shot. He's hit a couple from you know twenty-five, yeah. thirty yards out. That have you know if they hadn't got blocked it would have been difficult for the keeper to save. He's got a foot like a traction engine to quote Adam Partridge. <laughs> he can what hit your, it with your viral video that's gone up, Andy. Oh, it just works with Ben Close God, you know. It just works. Yeah, check out Andy's Twitter, everyone, if you haven't seen it, because he's made a fantastic Ben Close Alan Partridge mashup video with Ben Close's goals to um, Alan Partridge phrases. How long did it take you, mate? Six hours. 45 minutes it's, it's it's not well edited you don't need to watch it it's proud you'd be short. proud mate yeah i was I, I can't wait to see this because uh, i i get my viral tweet so i uh he I was will... using the word viral very loosely mate very very loosely <laughs> was it 100 uh, likes cool. like... it was like yeah it was more than 10 which is my normal <laughs> no wait a second i'm looking it up andy stop bigging yourself down it, it was it was pretty massive wasn't it uh it's bigger than my average tweet about work yeah <laughs> let's be honest mate you smashed us all up the park but yeah andy it's it's quality so i'm just so i'm just stalling now because i'm just actually scrolling through my ipad trying to find your trying oh, to find your mate. find your tweet but uh yeah proudly 45 minutes work mate i took inspiration from one of your youtube videos and put some editing skills in you know uh, that's that's why i'm here, that's why I'm they, here. they don't do windows movie maker anymore i was disgusted no. i just i assumed it would be there and it's just not and no yeah. you have to get like uh it's something called like movie 10 or something like that. i don't know what it's it actually called but uh, i don't use that no i use uh I don't want to say better software, but more uh, polished. There we go. That. More we don't have software. enough listeners for you to need to worry about product placement. Just no, say, which yeah, one, yeah. say which one you use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just tell us. There's no problem. We don't have any sponsorships. We don't make any money out of the podcast. So, yeah. I was going to say, I use, I use three different editing software. I don't want to go through all of them. So, yeah. That does sound quite dull. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's such a dull life for like such little money. But you, you, uh, I love it. If any listeners want to find out, um, Proudy's uh, Twitter handle is going to be in the tweet, so you can just at him and ask him all about software. Please do. I I love like messages of just random rubbish in my uh, in my DM. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. You'll thank me later. Um, <laughs> let's move. On. <laughs> let's move on to commentary, lads. Are we now? We know that we're going to either get a draw, but probably I'm right, and we're going to smash Sunderland two one. <laughs> How are we feeling about Coventry? Because Andy, me and you, Coventry, we went actually down to Fratton Park last season, didn't we? We Coventry's a bit of a weird one because we ended up interviewing Mark Catlin before the game. There was all this, is Connor Chaplin going to score against us? Of course he is. Um, and he didn't. Just put that out there. How do we feel? Because Coventry have actually made some pretty decent signings in the summer and look like they could be a team if they had their own stadium that would really, really press us. Do you want to go, Brady? Um, yeah, I was going to say, well, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I was just thinking about last game that we played them like towards the end of last season and they actually looked quite a difficult side. I mean, they could have, they probably should have actually beaten us uh, that day because, um, I can't remember the, the winger who ran through and went past Craig and then it was uh, blocked on the line by, um, Oh, I've forgotten who it was now. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's you, so you long identified ago. none of the players. That no, I, I don't remember the <laughs> wing. I don't remember anyone. Um, I just remember it they sounds went like past Craig. You, and that was it. Yeah, <laughs> they went past Craig, and that's all I remember. It was it. It wasn't Clark, was it? It was someone. Um, 
It probably was Clark, actually. Now I've forgotten. Yeah, but yeah, yeah Coventry well, are um like they're they're a bit of a I wouldn't say bogey side, but we always seem to have like quite tight games with them. Like uh, I can just recall a lot of the games we've had recently. I think they've ended like with one goal difference. Normally we're on the winning side as well, so that helps. Um, I'm a little bit worried. I'm, I'm not gonna lie because I've just seen they've signed Matty Goddard. I didn't even know where he went, and I've yeah, just seen yeah. he signed for Coventry. And you know they've got like players like uh, Biamu, Hula. Uh, Bakayoko, like Liam Kelly in midfield. So, uh, yeah, I think they might be, it might be a bit of a, like a, what do you call it? A banana skin for us, I think, on Tuesday. Uh, I don't want to say we're going to lose, but I don't think um, a win, I don't think a win is going to, I don't think a win is going to be that easy. We we could have a lot easier games on the Tuesday and I don't think commentary are one of them. No, no, I agree. I think, I think they're a very good team. Um, Andy, what do you reckon? Um, yeah, I again they've got players like you. Know, if Matty Gordon and Bakayoko uh, link up, there's obviously danger there. Uh, they played quite nice football when they came down to Fratton uh, last year towards the end of the season, but obviously didn't get the result. Um, they're coming into the game. They they drew nil nil with Bolton, who had an average age of about eleven in their first team because of all the the problems that are going on there. So they're coming into this game a little bit. Probably quite frustrated from that result. Yeah, I think they had like three disallowed goals, two of which shouldn't have been disallowed or something. Um, but they seem quite frustrated from that result. Yeah. So it'll go one or two ways. Either they'll take that out on Pompey and you know put in a big performance, or they could be there for the taking. I'd, I'd, I'd fancy us to get the result because when teams come and play, try and play nice football at Pompey, it does tend to leave spaces. And we've got one of those. Well, we've got a, a team that are, are quite good advantage or quite good at running into into space and using that as an advantage when they get the opportunity. When we're playing against teams who are trying to, you know, actually come to threaten and score, in some ways that plays to our strengths. I think. No, completely. I think that it's it's tough, isn't it? Coventry are a really good footballing side, and they'll they'll look good on on the pitch at Fratton, which is you know looking beautiful. It's very different to playing Shrewsbury, who literally stuck a load of men behind the ball and managed to hit us with a fluke goal. I mean, Coventry, I haven't got the, the table in front of me, but Coventry were either second or third in the league on high danger chances created last season. I know they're up there in the top seven or something across all four leagues. So their issue last season was not having a striker that can finish those high danger chances they created. And they created so a lot of them. Mm. Yeah, precisely. And it didn't work <laughs> out, did it? So now they've got the match for him. <laughs> I know, but they've got Matt Godden in, haven't they? Um, he's already scored. He scored against Exeter. I saw that. He could be. He is a poacher, isn't he? He's a player that can put the ball in the back of the net, you know. And they've got a lot of pace around him. Mm. So, I think that could be a big difference for them this season. And if they can start converting those chances that they were creating last season, they're going to be there or thereabouts, especially in the playoff race. Anyway. Yeah, I'd agree with that, mate. I'd back him for playoffs. I think. Yeah, um, I don't think they'll have the consistency to to challenge for automatics, but I, I'd certainly looking at the, the teams in the league this year. You wouldn't write them off for for being there and thereabouts for the playoff places. I mean, no. Looking at their stats against Coventry, they had twenty four shots um, sorry, against Bolton. Yeah, sorry, Coventry against Bolton, twenty four shots. Only seven of those were on target, though. To be fair, which is poor. Sixty eight percent possession. 
But they made 555 passes, which is incredible. Didn't score, though. No. no. So, it's like football manager all over again. <laughs> it's just one of those really frustrating games, I'm guessing, for them. So I'm guessing they will have a point to prove as well. Yeah. Lads, how are you feeling about the Coventry game? Proudy, what's your feeling? Do you reckon we're going to come away with a win? Uh, I think we'll scrape a win if we are going to win. Um, I think it will be... I think it'll be a tight one nil, in my opinion. Uh, like I know I've I've just been bigging up like Coventry's like attacking options, but I think I think we'll we'll have enough defensively to counter it, and I think we'll score probably a scrappy goal, which will win us the game in like the first half. Um, I think the you know with Coventry being one of those sides where we expect them to be like towards the top half or probably even in the top six. You know these are the games we have to win at home as well. Um, mm-hmm. I know I've said previously about the Sunderland one, you know, uh, games this early into the season, we don't have to panic if we don't win. But I think it's a bit of different sort of context if it's at home. We, like home form has to be our strongest point this year. And then, because I think actually our away form was our strongest, uh, was stronger than our home form last year, I yeah, believe. And right. But I think like in order to sort of go up in the top two or go up as champions, you know, your home form has to be stronger. Um, and then the away form can just sort itself out later. So, yeah, I think we'll scrape it this week. I think we'll scrape it 1-0. Andy? Uh, I think we'll concede, but I do think we'll get the three points. I think it'll be 2-1 or 3-1. Um, I think, yeah, Fratton under lights. If we can score first, um, I'd back us to hold on to the lead. But, yeah, I do think we'll concede. I think they've got enough quality players that they can, you know, have one moment of quality and, and set up a good chance. But I'll go 2-1 or 3-1 for Pompey. So I think we'll get four points from Saturday and Tuesday combined. But which way around, I'm not sure. But I'll go with the draw at Sunderland, a winner uh, against Cov. Cool. Um, I'm going to go with a... Oh, do you know what? I, I mean, I, I just... I'm looking at the two teams and Sunderland's a harder place to go than playing at home, for sure. But... I actually think that the Coventry team at the moment look like they could be more dangerous. Oh, I'll go. We two have one. nothing to add to that. Two one. I'll yeah. go two one. I'll go two one. I'll go two one. I, I, I'm I'm feeling it will depend on obviously depend on who starts. But is it is it time for Marquis to be unleashed, mate? I think so. he looked really good. I mean, obviously he came on for for Harrison at half time against Tranmere, and look good on the ball but also off the ball I think it was um, I think it was the Andy Cannon chance where he hit the post uh, and in the run up to that uh, you could see Marquis dra- like his run dragged at least one defender away from the play to make that to make the room yeah. for the attack Cannon hit the, the post from I think it was that one um, yeah he looked good and um, yeah got up to speed seriously quickly I thought he looked more threatening than Harrison Harrison did a job but I you could tell which of them I think is going to score more over the course of a 46 game season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, Marcus could bag on Tuesday. That'd be nice. Definitely. Um, yeah. Okay, dude. I was just, I was going to say, to be honest, I think Marquez, he, he could have had a couple of penalties, couldn't he, in that game as well. Uh, I think there's a couple of pushes there. Maybe it'd be given on a different day. But I'm I'm backing him now. I reckon he's gonna he's gonna kick off his campaign. Um, as I said already, get that goal against Sunderland. Andy Cannon is he the real deal, Proudy? 
Uh, he is, but I also think we probably do need, uh, like, I, I don't want to say proper number 10 because um, it's kind of hard to define that. Um, I, I think we need another option at number 10, definitely. Uh, I think uh, there's always been talk about Pittman or Cannon uh, probably playing number 10, even close playing as a number 10, which I don't think is probably right. I think he, he's much better in a deeper position. Um but I think for now, Cannon's a good option, but I, I, yeah, I generally think we need another number 10. Uh, mm. I've seen that Ostuma has now just left Bolton, and I would love him down at Pompey. I think he's a great player, but whether the finances are right for that deal remains to be seen, or if we're even going in for him remains to be seen. Um, but I think for the, yeah, for the meantime, I think Cannon's the right option. I, I just worry about him getting injured, and then we've got no one to come in for him. That's the only problem. There's a, there's a really promising young player called Louis Dennis. Um, that oh I, yeah, I think I know. I've, I've, <laughs> heard of it. I've seen him bits and bobs on Twitter that apparently he's a you know, decent young player that can can be in that position. Yeah, well, mm. we may maybe <laughs> get him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Andy, what do you think about the fact that maybe if you don't play with a ten, I, I'm I'm sort of advocating at the moment that if if Cannon was to lose form or or whatever, we could. We could possibly bring in Ross McCrory, allow him to play in the centre with Tom Naylor uh, in a four-three-three, and give Ben Close a little bit more freedom, and then push the wingers up. Uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, I can't really judge McCrory just yet uh, because, well, I haven't seen him play in person yet because um, he was on the bench on Saturday, and I wasn't at the Birmingham game or um, or the Shrewsbury game. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, he was banned for the, the Birmingham game anyway. But um, yeah, uh, as, as I say, I don't want to jump to conclusions after you know. A couple of a couple of games at the start of the season for me, Cannon looked pretty settled in that in that number ten position. Um, looked better for me than than either Pittman or Evans or whoever has when they've been put there in the last year or so. Yeah, and uh, looked more of a threat going forward. And as I say, just did a similar job that Evans done in that no one criticizes that he ever yeah you know, he just gives a hundred percent and gets completely stuck in and just keeps chasing the ball until the final whistle. But I felt like Cannon did it a bit more efficiently, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I'd certainly stick with him there for the foreseeable future. But it's only been what a couple of games. He could have an absolute shocker on Saturday if if he starts mm-hmm. you, and we could be saying completely the opposite next week because that's what football's like. That's what we're here for, right? Exactly, mate. Um, yeah, I sh- yeah, I'm more. Wo- uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm more worried about right back position. Uh, I'm really concerned about right back position. Are you, not, um, not, are you concerned that Walks isn't getting enough game time? I'm concerned he's getting too much game time, uh, to be honest with you. I think he, over the course of a season, I feel like he's the one link in the team that is potentially going to cost us points through individual mistakes. Um, it almost happened on Saturday. Uh, he gave the ball away, uh, trying just a, a, a ball... I can't it was from it was into our own penalty area from the right back position, and the play ended up with just he gave it straight back to Tranmere who had a shot and it hit um, hit Downing in the face, uh, which blocked. <laughs> oh it. yeah, but, um, but it was an individual mistake that could easily have cost us a goal and let Tranmere back in the game. Um, to me, it didn't look great going forward. I've last season I was always favouring playing Thompson over him. Obviously, that's not an option at the moment. We'll see what it's happens a, with that. He's, he's been a Wolves hater. Let's be honest. Uh, mate, I don't hate anyone. That is a very strong word. It's it's football. I, I don't hate anyone. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I just feel if there is a weak a weak link in our team, I think it's in the right back position, 
And I think teams better than Tranmere are potentially going to exploit that. He was all right defensively, like not an absolute car crash of a game by any stretch of the imagination, but it was definitely our weakest position on the field. Um, and I've got concerns that we don't really have that much backup in that position um, that I would, well, yeah, that I would trust in that position. That's my that's my main concern, I think. Proud, are you concerned about walks? Uh <sighs> Yeah, I nah. think I'm, I'm. Well, I'm more concerned if he was to get injured, really, because uh, Bolton Bolton's still injured, isn't he? So, he's, and he's our only other option. Yeah, I, I, I think he's back. Is it this weekend? He's back or week after? It's not a, a long term one. No. Yeah, um, I, I think I feel like Walks probably needs a, a run of games. Really, I, I think the first season we had him, I didn't think he was awful. Like some people actually said he was awful. Why is he in the team? I didn't think he was terrible. I thought he was a good option, but we were playing him more. In, uh, DM rather than right back yeah, or in the defensive mid um, and then when he was right back I suppose he had a run of games when Thompson was injured last year and he, he was playing quite well and then obviously got dropped again when Thompson came back so uh, I think he just needs to find his feet again I think he'll come good it's just uh, he's just been unlucky really I, I would say but um, if it gets to about January and he's still playing the same way then I'd say get a new one in or get Nathan Thompson back I'll take him back in a heartbeat today no, I don't, want, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want Nathan Thompson back. Well, what if there's no other option? Yeah. What no, if, other, no other option. You'd rather keep the squad as it is? Yeah, yeah. I just, oh. I just, I just think is though, is that I just don't think it's good for squad balance, mate, to have someone that goes out, that's out the club, you know, doesn't sign a contract, causes a load of drama. We, I know when speaking to Mark Catlin that, you know, the Jamal Lowe thing didn't help the team being around and the whole thing kicking off and how, you know, how it affects the team, the club, etc. I don't think we need another player who decides not to sign and goes off and says he wants to play in the championship and we then kindly help him train. And, you know, I, Nathan Thompson is a great player. I like Nathan Thompson. I'm nothing against Nathan Thompson. I think he's a good lad, you know, fair play to him. But I think we've got to move on now, to be honest. But if if the... Obviously, his head got turned by the sounds of it by his agent. If that had affected his relationships with the other players so much or with the management so much, they wouldn't have invited him back down to train with us last week. Things can't be that bad. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had him train with them. You think that, but if you start bringing Nathan Thompson back into the team, he's just there training at the moment. But you've got you've brought in a player to to replace Nathan Thompson, really, with with James Bolton, and you've got another player who was sort of understudy to Nathan Thompson last season in some ways in Anton Walks. I don't think it's a good for them to to sort of bring in another player. And I just personally, mate, I think the Nathan Thompson thing should be done and dusted, and we should move on. But that's just my well, opinion. Then, then he shouldn't that's be training with us. Yeah. Well, I think they're just trying to help him get fit or whatever, apparently. But, you know, that's just my opinion. A lot of people disagree, mate. A lot of people want him, want him back as well. So, um, okay, cool. Proudy, do you have anything to plug? What you're up to? Uh, well, yes, I, I run a YouTube channel. Uh, it's just called Proudy, so you can find me on YouTube. Uh, I'm currently doing a Huddersfield save, but I have uh, played against Portsmouth a few, few times. Um, they do feature a lot in the series as well. Uh, I do have a Twitter account that you can follow me on at ProudyYT. Uh, that's really it. That's all the social media I use. I've got other social medias if you can find them, but I don't. I'm not going to promote them. So, cool, Andy. What are you up to, mate? What am I up to? Um, <laughs> not much. Uh, no, if uh, obviously the usual plug. So if people are are on Facebook, uh, give the Frat and Faithful a follow. Uh, we're on sort of sixteen and. 16,800, I think, 16,800, and yeah. we're, we're hoping to hit 17,000 this season. 
So if um, if you're on Facebook and want general Pompey updates, like meme videos, what anything to do with Pompey, just yeah, give us a like on Facebook. Uh, my Twitter obviously is uh, is at Dr Andy Mitch. That will be in the the tweets. Um, but my tweets are split between really really angry football tweets or happy football tweets on a on a Saturday and a Tuesday, and then potentially pretty boring tweets about like cardiovascular disease the other five days of the week. So probably don't follow me if you don't like that to be honest <laughs> no, give andy a follow and if you can definitely go and follow fran faithful on facebook especially if you want to hear some of andy's quality um if you love the, the alan partridge goal series that you put on i mean you got to, you got to say andy it was this tweet man i've looked it up for you here we are yes 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 yes, yes. That's what I Terrible think. Terrible podcast material, mate. That's what I think of it. That's what I think of it, <laughs> mate. <laughs> 104 retweets, Proudy. Not bad. He's uh, yeah. he's not in my levels of like you know viral tweets, but it's up oh, there. Never he's will viral be proud for me. 382 yeah. likes. Anyway, mate. Guys, cheers for coming on the show today. Um, and until next time, that Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!